Alright. Here it is. Again. And it's cold. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Punk rock. It's about three chords. Four if you were looking. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. Hey everybody, I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the Stranglers Deep Dive edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave 1976 to 1986. Okay, now I gotta say that last episode I was like, I don't know a whole lot about the Stranglers. After after that episode, and between then and now, actually, and listening to all of their music, this is a pretty awesome playlist, and, and I'm kind of becoming a, a fan i gotta say <laughs> i really i enjoyed it well uh, i have <laughs> i have so much to say about the stranglers i just i i don't know that i'm gonna be able to get it all in but i'm gonna give it a go you you might be saying to yourself stranglers never heard of them chances are you're a little bit more familiar with the Stranglers than you think you are. Which is what I discovered, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Well, let's just play a little bit of Golden Brown because you probably do know at least one Strangler song, and it's this song. So you can hear it here in the background now. Go, oh, that's the Stranglers. <laughs> that's, yes, that's yeah. the Stranglers. It also, by the way, is the song that's been stuck in my head for about a week. Yeah, yeah, well, that... um. We'll discuss this song a little bit more when we get to the album. Um, All right. And if, you know, anyone goes, oh, the Stranglers, okay, that's what they sound like. That's not what they sound like. That, that <laughs> song is a total <laughs> anomaly for them. Yeah. yeah. So the Stranglers were, they were around before punk hit. They were one of those sort of pub bands that quickly pivoted into punk. Mm -hmm. They were pretty much all accomplished musicians and much older than your typical punk band. So they were in their like late 20s, early 30s. So they kind of had a bit of a chip on their shoulder, like, like there was a sense that they had to try harder to, to prove that they were punk. <laughs> Four core members of the Stranglers, mm -hmm. Hugh Cornwell is the uh, was the lead vocalist and the guitarist. Mm -hmm. J.J. Burnell, um, bassist. Dave Greenfield, keyboardist, and um, Jet Black was the drummer. Yeah. That lineup stayed all the way up until their tenth album um, in, I believe, nineteen ninety. And then Hugh Cornwell left the band, and um, they continued on with a couple of other new vocalists. But we'll we'll get to that later. The keyboardist uh, Dave Greenfield really stuck out to me, and I mean, it, I I have like a really big appreciation for this guy right now. You'll you'll hear him all through the the career of the stranglers yeah and and i think he was like probably a top-notch member i mean he was like definitely a key or at least a knot in the thread you know it was well yeah um so. 
I, uh, I think you and I are going to be sort of on the opposite ends of this because, <laughs> oh, oh, really? <laughs> right. Well, first of all, um, I think we should mention that um, he just recently passed away. Right. right. Yeah. So he he passed away. Um, he passed away May third of SARS CoV two, and apparently that's a strain of coronavirus that causes COVID nineteen. Okay. Um, yeah. So rest in peace to Dave Greenfield for. Well, um, there is absolutely no doubt, as everyone will hear, that he is. Um, he was a very skilled, accomplished yeah. keyboardist, for sure. Yeah, um, for sure. So my my issues with his his keyboard playing has nothing to do with his abilities. His mm-hmm. just his sensibilities don't are don't really line up with mine so much. Gotcha. So um, to me, well, there there are times there are lots of songs where he is servicing the song just perfectly and so i love all of that but when he gets into um his keyboard solos Mm -hmm. it's just not my cup of tea uh let's do our rankings okay uh, before we start talking about the individual albums yeah i'll go first okay since um I want to get that out of the way i you've sort of indicated that there's gonna be there's your list is is going to be upsetting to me so i'm going to <laughs> i want to get mine out of the way so okay. i'm not so that i can i can focus on um the uh the travesty that is your ranking sounds good my love of the stranglers comes is is really about their strange pop so they uh-huh. they went through several phases and when I talk about the Stranglers, I'm always talking about the Hugh Cornwell Stranglers. Right. So unless I specify otherwise, when I say the Stranglers in their catalog, I'm talking about the first 10 studio albums. Yeah. And, and so, nothing after 1990. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so they, they went through several phases. Um, and the way I identify them, and they basically break up into thirds. So the first mm-hmm. three albums, that, that was their punk phase. Their, their middle three albums was their strange pop phase, which is my absolute favorite. And yeah. then the last, well, actually, I guess the middle four are the strange pop. And then the last three are their kind of like... Uh, middle of the road adult contemporary phase. Oh, yeah, right. My top four albums are the albums that fit in the strange pop phase. <clears throat> okay, number one is um, La Folie. Number two, The Raven. Number three is The Gospel According to the Men in Black. Number four is Feline. Number five is Dreamtime. Number six is Black and White, which is way up from what it used to be. Hmm. Um, number seven is Aural Sculpture. Number eight 
No More Heroes, number nine, their first album, Rata Norvegicus, and number 10 is 10. That's a good list, and I think that you'll be a little surprised. Okay. I really dig the punk sound, mm-hmm. um, but there were some issues that I had with some of their punkier, punkier yeah. albums. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I found that I actually kind of liked some of them, some of their strange pop. Good. Well, that's that's the good stuff. Number one is La Folie. Ah, all right. Number two, No More Heroes. Hmm. Okay. Uh, number three is Dreamtime. Number four is Aural Sculpture. Number five, Rattus Norvegicus. Unfortunately, like I said, it's one of their punkier, but I had some serious problems with it. Uh, number six is 10. Number seven, Black and White. Number eight is Feline. Number nine, Gospel According to the Men in Black. And number 10 is one I hated the most, Raven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to have a lot to talk about. We're going to have a lot uh, to talk about. Let's, let's get to some music. So, All right. So the first album released in 1977, um, we talked a lot about it the last episode. Um, I just don't think the music is very interesting on this. And lyrically... It is by far the most troublesome. Yeah, sketchy for sure. Yeah, so it's got, <laughs> um, besides Peaches, which I personally don't have a problem with, um, it has Sometimes, which I think is mm. their most problematic song yeah. ever. It's downright abusive. <laughs> it's gross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, the, the beginning, the first line is basically him slapping his girlfriend. You know, it's, that. Uh, yeah problematic i'm not too conflicted about this album because i never really cared for it so it's it's really easy for me to just go i don't need to defend this album you know Mm -hmm. um and and it's also got london lady and princess of the street which are which Mm -hmm. are kind of gross too so it's got two great songs uh the first first one and one of my very favorite strangler songs we heard last episode and then the other one, which was your original pick for this album, um, was their their other single, um, Get a Grip on Yourself. So let's take a listen to that now. Didn't have the money round to buy a Murray Thal. Been around and seen a lot to shake me anyhow. Baked and barrels, sometimes I admit I even stole. The worst crime that I ever did was playing rock and roll. Well, I was surprised at how high you ranked this album. Um, yeah, well, I, I ranked it at number five. Well, yeah. Um, uh, it's in the middle. <laughs> um, I kind of felt like... Is it, song, is it just just the strength of those two songs? It's, it's the... I think it's the attitude that I really like about the album. Again, it would have been higher if it wasn't so problematic. I don't want to play sometimes. I don't want to listen to Princess of the Street, you know, a piece of meat. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I just kind of felt like the power behind it was really good, and the attitude was really kind of touched on my punky sensibilities. So. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, um, just five months later, they released No More Heroes, mm -hmm. which was another monster hit for them in the UK. Yeah. And um, I would say probably the three most famous songs are Golden Brown, Peaches, and No More Heroes. Mm -hmm. um, although um, there were a couple of hits off oral sculpture which i think are pretty popular in the uk but i just think the music is so much better in mm -hmm. this one than the first one so they're they're really in the the punk lane now and um it's it's more upbeat it's tighter um and these are the albums that um dave green um fields keyboard solos bug me the most oh okay it does have the song bring on the new biles which oh is oh my god <laughs> but 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 the thing about this song is this song is so obvious well actually i i have no idea the intention but it's it's my guess it seems pretty clear to me that this song is a reaction to the, the flack that they got oh, yeah. in the press for, from their first album, where it really feels like a middle finger, like, really, you want misogynistic? Chew on this. Is. Yeah. So it's a song that's not really about what it's about. It's about something else, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. It's about it them flipping off the press. Yeah. I do find this song objectionable, but not in the way that you think. Because I don't, I don't take the lyrics seriously at all. I find it objectionable in, like, how lazy it is. If if they were really gonna like go, you want offensive, we're gonna be offensive. You should like just go for it and show some wit. And I mean, That's but interesting. it just it yeah. doesn't. You know, they the the chorus is let me let me fuck you fuck you let me let me fuck you fuck you. Hmm. It just Come on, guys! You can you can do better than that if you're gonna if you're gonna make a point. Then yeah. you know show show some wit, um, put a little effort into it. Those are middle school grade lyrics, right? Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> um, this album sounds great. So, what was yeah. your pick off of this? Well, before I let you know what my pick is, and I'll, I'll this is kind of connected to what to my pick actually. Okay. Um, all music. I think what they were looking for is kind of what you stated, you, you know, that they wanted to flip them off because of the flack they got. But All Music called this this album uh, faster, nastier, and better. So yeah. they were almost celebrated for yeah. being dirtier than the first yeah. album. Yeah. You know. Um, at any rate, I picked uh, I Feel Like a Wog. Well, Nafso, I Feel Like a Wog is... Cause because the thing is that as belligerent as the Stranglers strutting around act is mm -hmm. in the in the first part of their career, they um, they're they they are some pretty smart intel. Particularly um, Hugh is is a yeah. very very smart guy. I yeah. mean, w when you listen to No More Heroes, he, he's I mean, that's those lyrics are written by a very literate intellectual. Right. Um, so feel I feel like a wog is that's a criticism on on racism. It's just mm -hmm. it's 
just disguised. So they're they're acting big and dumb and obnoxious, but they're 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 really saying some legitimate things. Um, yeah. So so you know how at the uh, the beginning of this podcast, how we talked about wanting to become experts on the music that we love and not going through and reading a bunch of books to do it but listen to music mm-hmm. i am a book guy and i still read all the books um but i read an interview with jet black where you know they for a long time caught a lot of flack for i feel like a wog for huh. being a racist song really? uh, to me it sounded exactly the opposite but yeah. here's what jet black says this is an anti-racist song it's written right. from the perspective of a repressed racial minority figure who from his point of view is put upon and put down by the white majority that so, was always clear to me it was clear it was clear to me too yeah, but that so. that term right there that quote right there kind of makes me go back to a song like peaches and what you said about how yeah. it was how it was satirical yeah yeah you know i yeah i it kind of gave me a new perspective yeah so yeah. anyway we should listen to the song It feels like they're flipping off the, the press, but in this case, it's it's a strong, a strong anti-racist song, and I really think so. I don't know why people at the time gave them a lot of a lot of, a lot of guff because of it. Yeah, plus it's it's a really good sounding song. It, it sounds so good. Yeah. Um. So I I can't remember if I mentioned this already, but the two big hits off of this album were "No More Heroes" and "Something Better Change." Um, The song that I picked is actually was not on the original release. This was a um, standalone single that um, has been included on re-releases of the album. Love, love this song. It's called Straighten Out. And if I were if if I were to make a, a playlist of like my favorite first wave like balls out punk songs this would definitely be on it oh sweet <laughs> and the first commandment reads that human flesh and blood is sacred until there is no more food the break of day has come i see the cracks have just begun to line the walls line the walls i want to see the little girls and boys destroy their toys line the walls I really like that song as well, and by the way, it kind of was a tie for that, and I feel like a wog. I don't know why I pushed it over to I feel like a, I guess I do, um, you know, with the whole 
Black Lives Matter and 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 all the the political and and social activism going on, I think I feel like a wog was just kind of saying saying pretty true to me right away. But yeah. but your choice was another favorite of mine. I'm really glad you picked it. Yeah, one of one of my very very favorite um, Strangler songs. 1978 sees the release of Black and White. Now, if you had asked me in the, like, in 1988, <laughs> what was my least favorite Stranglers album, I would have said this album. Uh-huh. Um, but over the years, it slowly climbed up. Um, and it is, so I, I really like their weird or strange pop. This is like, this is where they start getting strange in their, in their, their song construction and um, their their composition and arrangements, yeah. but it, they don't have the pop element yet, so I don't love it. But boy, this is just sonically and and the 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 songwriting is as far as the composition and everything is so much more interesting than their first two albums. I, I'm just and then. And then when I went back and listened to it in preparation for the show, it was like, oh, maybe maybe this is my the time in my life where I can really appreciate this album. Because originally, I, you know, it just yeah. wasn't catchy enough for me, and so I just didn't pay that much attention to it. But it's got, it's got some really great, weird songs. <laughs> It, do, it does. The hit single off of this was Nice and Sleazy. And yeah. this Boy. is one of my very favorite Strangler songs. <laughs> so um, I'm picking this to listen to. So let's, let's take a listen now. We came across the West Sea. We didn't have much idea of the kind of climate waiting. Our hands for guidance, like the children of a preacher, like a dry tree seeking water, or a daughter. Nice and sleazy, nice and sleazy does it. Nice and sleazy, does it, does it, does it every time. Nice and sleazy, nice and sleazy, does it, does it, does it every time. So is it just me, Robert? Does this song feel like they're looking back at Peaches and saying, let's write another hit like that? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly... That's exactly what it is. I mean, is. just just this the the basic approach. Th- this is by far the most commercially accessible song on mm. on the album. Um, I this is this is something you really got to listen to a lot, um, yeah. and it it grows on you. Now you picked a song which is much more typical of the rest of the album. I, I did. Well, okay. First, I want to say that this this album is obvious. 
as far as its transition from going like from punk to new wave. This yeah. Is, yeah. It is so obvious. This is uh, Greenfield is kicking in with his his, uh, his stuff. I mean, he's got he's got that mini Moog synthesizer synthesizer going. He's he, it's it's sweet. I mean, it really is. It really is good. Um, and I I didn't pick this song, but I have to say my favorite song on the album is uh, Walk On By. And it's it's because I'm just a big fan of Isaac Hayes. And that was uh, even before Isaac Hayes, because Isaac Hayes covered the song back in the back in the day. It was Dionne Warwick who sang it. But I'm a huge Isaac Hayes fan. So Walk On By was like a big thing for me to hear it on this album. And they did a great job. I mean, they did well, a really good cover. I'm I'm really glad that you didn't pick that song. No. Because I, I mean, I like the song and I like what they, they do, but it's... Yeah. They're not. That is not uh, a uniquely Strangler song. It's not. And that's Whereas why I the stayed one away that you it. picked. So this is this is some of the raunchiest bass I have ever heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I picked uh, in the shadows, which was uh, a B side to um, the single. Uh, no, I think it was no more heroes, um, and and I I think the bass is. I don't know. It, it it's kind of guttural. I mean, it's in there. Well, but. it's it. My sense is that JJ just decided I'm going to push this sound as far as, as far I possibly as can. I mean, yeah. it it seems like his his mission statement for this song was, what's the nastiest, raunchiest bass sound <laughs> I can possibly get. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds so good. I yeah. love this song. Let's, yeah, let's listen to it. When you're walking on the streets at night, you turn around and die of fright. What's that in the shadows? What's that in the shadows? I love that sound. I, I love that sound. This album, of course, is not high on my list, but that song is, if I were to rate all my songs, all my favorite songs of theirs, would be higher on my list. What, so. what, what was your ranking of this again? Uh, I, I chose it. It was number seven. Oh, so it's pretty low. Yeah. Pretty low. Yeah. I, yeah. I, check back with me in five years. This could be like my number four or Interesting. something. It's just... Well, I, I'm really. It's like every time I listen to it now, it's I'm loving it more. So, so, so all all music said, and I'm not. I, I take what they say with a lighter grain of salt than say Rolling Stone. But um, all, all music said that it was the weakest of the Stranglers' first three albums. Um. Yeah, and I certainly thought that. You know, it's back at least in the, the day. less crass. 
mean, um, you know. yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's the, it's got more nooks and crannies. You mm-hmm. know, it's got mm-hmm. interesting little spaces and textures and and all of that, rather than just sort of balls out punk. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of which, I completely forgot to cover this. On the uh, at the top of the show, got mm-hmm. to talk about what Rolling Stone thinks of the Stranglers. Oh, please you tell know? me. Yeah, so <laughs> here's what Rolling Stone thinks of the Stranglers. Nothing. They have nothing. <laughs> I mean, they nothing to say. They, they have nothing to say about the Stranglers. I mean, I'm sure that they reviewed the albums when they came out, but as far as I can tell, Stranglers don't show up on one single list of Rolling Stones that's, best of yeah. this or best of that. So That's kind of what I found in my research too, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um uh if I didn't already have a a healthy amount of contempt for uh the Rolling Stones idea of what great music is, um I certainly would at this point. So Yeah. Well, if anybody from Rolling Stone is listening, I want you to know that Joseph skipped his prom for this band. <laughs> yeah, why why isn't that in Rolling Stone? I know it. <laughs> okay, so so the Raven Raven was your least favorite, huh? Oh boy. Yeah. Wow, yep. I love this album. <laughs> this is so weird. This album is so weird. It it, it is. I'll give um, you that. <laughs> so so they've got this vague sort of Viking theme mm-hmm. going on, um, mm-hmm. which doesn't have anything to do with anything. Um, it's, you know, they just wrote a couple of songs that were Viking themes, so they decided to do the artwork like that. Um, yeah. But it's, it's not a concept album or anything. Now, the song that you picked was actually not... On the original release, right. it was um, a um, it was a bonus a single. track on the 2001. Right, yeah, but it, you're right. It, it was released as a single either right before, or right after this album came out, and mm-hmm. then it was added later. I I like this song a lot. It just <laughs> it sounds it it's like falls right in line with all of the rest of the songs on off of this album. Right, where where it's just this odd not very ambitious just a little bit off from from making pop that wins everybody over it's it's <laughs> like in an alternate universe where people only wear hats indoors gravity's pull is 10% less and skunks smell like basil the stranglers <laughs> are the most commercially successful band of all time no oh, wow so they are at this point it's pretty clear to me that they they've decided they want to do pop music but they want to do pop music like no one's ever heard before. They want yeah. to invent new types of pop music and they they just weren't successful from a commercial point of view. Yeah, I mean but, they they did it. There just wasn't the following. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but I love this. So let's uh, listen to Bear Cage. I work hard. I'm saving my marks. Watch what I do when I swim with the sharks. A new race and a new way to race. Feel ashamed as I live a disgrace. GG, I'm living in a bear cage. GG, I'm living in a bear cage. They never told me what was the truth. 
So the two hits off of this album, which were mild hits in the UK, were Duchess and Nuclear Device. And mm-hmm. Nuclear Device was actually the song that I played when we talked about the Stranglers on my top 10 list. Um, So those of you who didn't listen to that um, episode, this is my third all-time favorite new wave band, the Stranglers. And um, this, that song was the first song I ever heard of the Stranglers. Hmm. And that's why I played it. You know, um, it's interesting. I mean, you talked about how they had the the kind of Norse theme or the Viking theme. And, mm-hmm. um, it, what I found interesting about this album was that it really was all over the board. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. you know, I know it's number 10 on my list. And I think part of the reason it's number 10 on my list is because there was no cohesion. I, I was so dizzy after every song. I'm like, what are they going to do next? You know? Well, yeah. Well, actually, the first half of the album is more cohesive than the second. Yeah. So, so the second kind of goes all. I actually like the first half a lot more than lot the better. second half. Yeah. Me too. Um, so the song I picked, Dead Los Angeles, that's L-O-S-S, is, I believe it's the third, second or third track uh, off of the album. And it's just an odd little gem. Uh, uh, it's, it's somehow catchy and not accessible all at the same time. The plastic beaches, the unconcrete beaches, the you see the leeches, the you see the leeches, the there's not much mallow, the it's also shallow, the in dead Los Angeles, in dead Los Angeles, the trashed up monster dump, it's got his crosses on, he's never seen the shit from the La Brea pits. The lunar base camp there with burning midnight lamp, they call it frisbee lamp. Just a Disneyland, Android Americans live in the ruins there. In dead Los Angeles, in dead Los Angeles, the trashed up monster don't has got his glasses on. He's never seen the shit from the La Brea Pit, from the La Brea Pit. So I know I say this a lot, but that was actually another one of my picks. I was going back and forth between Bear Cage and Dead Los Angeles. Actually, uh, Duchess was another one that I kind of was thinking about. Yeah, I was um, I was so torn between this and Ice cuz I love mm-hmm. Ice as well. So, but I figured well, when we actually get to this album in our rundown, well, I'll just play Ice. Yeah. Then, so, well, it's 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 definitely and it's a good song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good choice. <clears throat> 1981. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what to say about this album. I love this album, and I'm probably the only Strangler fan in the world who <laughs> who thinks this is one of the. In fact, when I was in high school, this was my very favorite Stranglers album. I'm glad you said that. You know, I, I was listening to this album and trying to think. Back in the day, who did this appeal to? Who enjoyed this album in 1981? And the I answer mean, was Joseph. Joseph. Because there was no one else. The critics hated it. Yeah. It, it was commercially, it was a bomb. Um, 
But, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you something though. I yeah. think my friends at that age would have really enjoyed it. I, I think you know, I didn't hear it back then, and I might have liked it back then as well. Today, my, you know, my sensibilities are a little different. But. Yeah. So um, the the song that you picked off of this album would have been the song that I would have picked. No. Oh. This was released as a single, but really didn't get much traction. Yeah. Um, it's called Thrown Away. yet most abrasive keyboard lines in a song. I mean, that, that line <laughs> that line both works and doesn't work at the same time. Um, so the song I picked um, is just as weird uh, in a slightly different way called um, Just Like Nothing on Earth. Just like nothing on earth. Just like nothing on earth. A man on the main motor mile mesmerized much monkey magic me and Smith. You know you folks utilize you for pneumatic six tidy fantastic traumatic spiny rubber ball backhouse laser check out that I find the sons of magic women. His brain was blazed and amazed he said he thought it was something new. Just like nothing on earth, just like nothing on earth, just like nothing on earth. Anything else you want to cover on this album? This is so, so these two songs, like the whole album sounds like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, and and that's one of the things that I love about the Stranglers. Um, With the exception of their first two albums and to a lesser degree, their, their last couple of albums, every album has a very clear distinct sound to it Mm -hmm. um and this is this is their sort of like sparse keyboard punk or something i'm not quite sure how to 
I think what they what they had said was that they were trying to go a little bit uh, Euro disco, which is kind of what they were going for. Well, are you um, are you sure you're not getting that confused with Feline? No, they were talking about this album. Oh, I didn't really? quite get that either. Okay. Um, and it didn't actually, it didn't do them any good. I mean, what the, whatever they were reaching for, yeah. it didn't quite get there. Yep. So. <clears throat> All right. Um, same year, 1981, they released La Folie. Um, and it, uh, it initially did not do well in the UK at all. Yeah. And then they released Golden Brown, I think it's their second or possibly third single, mm -hmm. and it just took off. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it helped them. They brought in um, Tony Visconti, who worked with David Bowie, and uh, they were kind of, let's, let's do something that's a little more commercially acceptable so that we can reach out to a broader audience, and uh, he came in and helped them out, and I think it was a, I mean, it was a great choice. So this is uh, our number one for yeah. both of us, so why yeah. don't you talk a little bit about why it's your number one before I do. Okay, yeah, um, well, it, I, honestly, I feel like it, it kind of opened... Open my eyes. <laughs> Open my eyes. I I like the most the most songs on this album than anything else. But I really enjoyed the the sound. I I think that it had, like you said earlier, with uh, you know kind of a consistent sound throughout the album. Yeah. Uh, this one to me was the most consistent as yes. far as its sound. Yeah. I I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, it was also, this is the album that I listened to where I was like, whoa, I know this band, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. know these guys, uh, golden Brown was the thing that really, that really clicked for me as far yeah. as like, yeah. you know, recognizing that I'd heard them yeah. before. Yeah. Um, so golden Brown, I think is a fine song sure. and I, I love the fact that, you know, it helped, helps more people identify who the stranglers are. Mm -hmm. I don't really get it. I, I like it, but I don't love it. Now, the interesting thing about this album, it's my number one album for The Stranglers. However, if you ask me to list my 10 favorite um, Strangler songs, they're prob I probably wouldn't list a single song off of this album. Interesting. So wow. all of these songs are like seven, sevens or eights for me. Just across the board. It is so good. They're, this is such a consistent album. The only yeah. other album that they do that's as consistent is, um, in my opinion, is Oral Sculpture. But And I'll get to that when we talk about that album. Mm -hmm. um, but this album, I just i just can't get a, enough of it. I had the hardest time picking a song off of this album. Yeah. Um, now, so I have a little game that I play with myself. When when we prepare for each of these episodes, you send me your list of of song picks. Mm -hmm. So before I get that list, I go through and try and guess which song you're going to pick. <laughs> nice. And I didn't do so great this time. However, mm -hmm. the one song that I got right, which... No Doy was this song. Was the one I picked. Yeah, of course <laughs> you picked Everybody Loves You When You're Dead. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you try to hide. The sun comes out and then the truth is red. Your fans will love you when you're alive. But the 
It's interesting that you recognized or at least thought that I would pick this. And, and it, it, of course, is a song that I would pick. Um, I wouldn't mind at some point looking at your list of what you thought that I would pick because I went over that list of what I would pick three or four times before it ended up the way it is now. Uh, and Yeah, honestly, I, I don't remember the other ones. <laughs> it was just... Um, just when I saw your list, I went down and went, nope, 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 definitely did not that one. And then when we got to this, it was like, yeah, well, that's that's yeah. the one that I it's picked. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> so the song, I, I really struggled. I went, I, I, I had like five different ones that I went back and forth on. Um, yeah. But I finally um, landed on this one because it's going to, it'll, it gives me an opportunity to talk about something a subject that is near and dear to my heart, which is Hugh Cornwell's guitar playing. Uh-huh. So when you when you see lists of the best punk guitarists, Hugh Cornwell is never on those lists. And I think it's an that's an absolute crime. Um, because he is such a good guitar player. But okay, so so here's the thing. The Stranglers they're a quartet, right? Mm-hmm. So they've got a bass player, they've got a drummer, they've got a keyboard player, and they've got a guitarist. Mm-hmm. Most punk bands have two guitarists. So Hugh Cornwell is doing rhythm and or lead guitar. Oh, yeah. Right? They, they were always a, a touring band. So typically there weren't a ton of overdubs. So right. it was basically he was either playing rhythm guitar or he was doing lead guitar, but he didn't. You, you don't hear a lot of Stranglers songs where there's much overdubbed guitar, at least not until later on in their catalog. Um, <clears throat> but if you if you stop and and start listening to the songs and listening to the guitar the guitar is always in service of the song so there's no guitar wankery i hate guitar wankery this this is <laughs> one of the reasons why i really don't care for television because there's so much guitar wankery like look at me i'm playing the lead guitar oh Hugh, yeah right. Hugh corwell does not do any of that he's and his parts are are so I don't know if sensitive is the right word, but they're they're very responsive to the other instrumentation that's going on. So it's always oh, yeah. playing off the keyboards and the bass and all of that. So he is like really always really zeroed in on what what does this song need? You know, what is going to... Because his guitar propels the songs. It so, does. It yeah. does. You know, I think sometimes, too, though, is that his guitar is kind of understated. Oh, totally in- understated. Intentionally understated to kind of 
boost up the other instruments. He, there is no ego in his yeah. guitar playing. And uh, and not only that, but he is a damn fine acoustic guitarist. I mean, yeah. that man can play. It's yeah. beautiful. So, so when you listen to this song, pay special attention to his guitar parts because he's doing some really cool, yeah. interesting, not flashy, but um, just stuff that, that just propels this song along. Yeah. So once again, this is called Let Me Introduce You to the Family. I love the family. My nomination to the Punk Guitarist Hall of Fame is Hugh Cornwell. Um, Very good. Vastly, Very good. vastly underrated guitarist. If any of your listeners want to, you know, if you just have it in your in you to just to give the Stranglers one crack, make it this album. Yeah. You know, start with this album. It is. It's not necessarily their most accessible but it is just so good they just nail everything that they try and do on this and it's mine and joseph's favorites yeah yeah um, <laughs> it's our favorite so i think um i think i mentioned that golden brown and la folie were the two big hits off of mm -hmm. this okay 1983 sees the release of feline and this is probably their weirdest album <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> Maybe I, mean, I don't I, know. I think it's it's a close tie between that and Raven. Because <laughs> this is so I I have read um, interviews with uh, I think it was JJ Burnell who he claims that this is one of the first techno albums, and right. I don't <laughs> know that I would go that far, um, you know. But they're definitely go they're definitely going. So, you know what other Stranglers album this reminds me of in a very weird way what? is Black and White. So this oh. feels like their their Black and White version of coming out of that weird mm. pop phase, um, where they're they're really stripping things down and they're really playing with the structure. Of songs, yeah, so strange. I, I, um, I think it's fascinating myself. It, obviously, it, it. I think that's part of why it it it's kind of hits so close to you. I mean, that's why you liked it. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I, I I didn't. It's not doesn't list high on mine. It's number eight yeah. on my list. Yeah, I know. But uh, there's no denying that Greenfield's synthesizer and piano are really cool, and that uh, Hugh Cornwell's guitar in this album is also extremely cool. I mean, it's... Yeah, but this is this is Greenfield's album. It's totally... No, yeah. it totally is. It yeah. totally is. It's, it's Also, it's a very experimental album, and sometimes experimental 
yeah, doesn't but sit well with me, but, but, it, but this it, is good. It's experimental pop, which is yeah. so cool. It's <laughs> okay. not like experimental progressive or, right. you know, any anything like that. It's like, let's do pop songs, but totally you, turn them on there. You know, it it did rank higher than La Folie uh, reaching number four in the UK albums chart. It, this, it did pretty well in the well, UK. Well, yeah, uh, European f- female was a really big hit. It was for huge. Them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what was your pick off of this album? I, I chose It's a Small World. <laughs> Such a strange song. <laughs> it is. It is. And I and I love it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. can't help it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, <laughs> I love, I, oh, I may have to go back and, and rethink this album and rank it. No, four, four is pretty, this four is right. I, I, solid, huh? I love this album. So, um, the song I picked, All Roads Lead to Rome, mm-hmm. this song could have been a legit hit if, if they had done it straight. But they didn't do it straight, which which makes me love it even more. They just right. they they took this really catchy song and just got weird with it. The endless games played in the timeless song. Remind me, all roads lead to Rome. Feline is an album that definitely. How many times did you listen to it? Um, probably two or three. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. St- I didn't stick a lot to it. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I should have listened to it more, but I, yeah. I was just not if feeling you, it. Yeah. If you're in a couple years, why don't you come back and listen to it a couple more times? And I wouldn't be surprised if it grows on you because I think you might be right. It's yeah. one of those albums that that has slowly risen higher and higher in my well, estimation. If you look at if you look at last episode when we talked about the bands that we uh, picked for, or the bands that 1977, and you had the the Stranglers, uh, if you recall, I was like not into that album at all. No. 
and and you know here it kind of it ranks higher now than really than I surprising it would. to me really you know? surprising yeah, yeah. I mean Radis Norvegicus number 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 five wow Fungilis is number five yeah so yeah. it 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 ranks higher than it did yeah, um, yeah. yeah. so okay so um, 1984 they do a hard pivot. So now, now they're getting into their middle-of-the-road adult contemporary stuff, um, which mm-hmm. I think they do well, but they, they get really sincere now. So you yeah, don't yeah. hear them experimenting a lot. Um, I personally feel like the rest of their albums um, through uh, you know, last one, um, when uh, Hugh leaves, uh, overproduced and have that have that sort of that that mid to late eighties. Oh yeah. Per- film on yeah. it, like you, the the slime of um, overproduction. <laughs> um, yeah. That that I just that just sort of bogs everything down for me. I just it's, don't it's, don't care for that style at all. It's interesting that you mention that because um, the song I, the song that I chose um, I really liked it. But the more I listen to it, the more I, I feel like it sounds like something you'd hear on a uh, on a TV show during the '80s, like in the background when somebody turns on the radio. You know, those songs are never the songs that are actually playing. On the radio, there's songs that are produced just for that episode. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, there's something I really like about the song, but it does sound, it almost sounds canned. I don't I don't know if that canned is quite the word, but yeah, no, and a lot I, of the album actually we're, sounds we're that way. We're talking about the same thing, yeah. where, where it just, you know, if it were a window, it just, I feel like I'd want to get a squeegee and just like scrape off this film. It's <laughs> yeah. got like this film between you and the, the, the heart of the music with this, with this overproduction. Yeah. Now, now to be clear, it's not the, the overproduction is not nearly as bad as a lot of albums that were being released. Um, well, it's number, this one's number four on my list. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, this is this, but this is a really consistent album. Yeah. Like, but the energy level is just not as high as La Folie. And I don't mm-hmm. feel like the compositions are as interesting. Um, but there's some nice stuff. This was the first um, Stranglers album I ever owned. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of liked it. I liked it enough to get you know their next album when it was released. Okay, so what was uh, what was your pick off of this? Well, album? Bef- before I tell you that, um, I think I wanted to mention that part of the uh, I think part of that overproduced sound came from the new producer that they brought in, and it had to do with the fact that they turned in like several demos for this album to the record label, and the record label turned them down. Um, and again, it's it's like it had that whole idea where, you know, you guys are kind of on thin ice right now um, uh, still. And they turned down three or four demos that they had they given them. So they brought in Lori Latham, and she's like, you know, we need more acoustic guitar and more horns. And uh, and I think it, it kind of created that, sense, uh, what do you call it, sincere or... 
yeah, earnest. That sound. It's, it's earnest. Yeah, sound. it's very earnest. Very, um, very straightforward. No, um, no smirking punks. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. writing this and, music. And I, I love the acoustic guitar sound, and I love the horns, which is weird because it's like going against my punk sensibilities. But um, <laughs> I chose North Winds. North Winds blowing. I used to dream about destruction, but now that I feel it getting near, I spend my time watching the ocean, and waves are all I want to hear. I wish I was a believer, I'd spend less time in being sad. So many laws against disbelieving, I don't know who's good or Okay, so before we get to my pick, I, I just want to mention that the two hits off of um, this album were Skin Deep and Let Me Down Easy, both of which were quite popular in Europe, never really took off here in the United States. But uh, quite often when I, when I hear people reference The Stranglers, or actually I think if you go on to Spotify, I think Skin Deep is maybe there's the second most listened to song That's um, interesting. or maybe it's let me down easy i i get the two confused so uh, for my pick i had originally well my my pick is a song called laughing i love the song so much i just don't feel like it's a song that when you hear it the first time is really gonna hook you uh-huh. um but i this is definitely on my list of top uh, 10 Strangler songs for sure. Yeah. Um, this is a song about Marvin Gaye and how um, flaky he was because <laughs> the story is that um, at one point the Stranglers wanted to work with Marvin Gaye and kept reaching out to him to collaborate and he just he just flaked on them. He he said he was interested in doing it and just didn't do it. Um, and so never would have guessed. I mean, if you listen to these lyrics and you didn't know it was about Marvin Gaye, it would never occur to you that it was about right. Marvin Gaye. But that's that's cool. I'm gonna have to go listen to it again. Well, Absolutely. but once you know. It's really you go. Oh, that's what that of line course is about. It's about Martin, yeah. 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 Um, this is a this is a really lovely song. You could have wasted yourself in a plane in the air, but let poisoning from your daddy to me just didn't seem fair. Committing the crime Of taking your time 
Interesting. I I mean, I didn't realize this was about Marvin Gaye, but I love this. I love the song. I mean, I enjoy it. Um, um, anything else about this album before we move on to Dreamtime? No, I think we're good. So how how did you rank Dreamtime? Dreamtime was number three on my list. So this was the album that got me <laughs> loving the Stranglers. Yeah. So when when I saw them. Um, instead of going to my senior prom, they were on tour supporting this album. Oh, wow. The, this was um, the song Always the Sun was their biggest hit in the United States. It mm-hmm. wasn't a big hit at all, but it was almost a big hit. It that, was so close. That, that's, again, one of those songs that I was like, oh, yeah, I know this band. You know, um, Always yeah. the Sun was just was that song. I mean, Yeah. So, so this was the second album that I got, and I loved it. I loved it. And then I went out and just, you know, just uh, gobbled up every Stranglers album I could find after that. Um, cool. <clears throat> this is not a very well-regarded album. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny because I I love Dreamtime. I don't particularly care for oral sculpture. Right. Um, but the critics are kind of flipped. Critical response for um, Dreamtime was really pretty um dismal whereas um the previous album the the critics really seemed to like so well the al- the album was the lowest charting studio album in Hugh Cornwell's career and, yeah i mean and they'd had they've had a pretty long career so far you know so the uh, and the last couple of songs off of this album the last t- three songs off of side 2 are really, really lovely lilting songs. Um, there, there is some unfortunate dated choices <laughs> as far as the the uh, the sounds, you know, the the synthesizer sounds that they use, yeah. uh, which kind of diminish it, kind of makes it sound a little cheesy. But uh, the, but okay. compositionally, particularly um, Hugh Cornwell's guitar playing. Yeah. On the last couple of songs is is just beautiful. Uh, it just melts me. Um, we're not going to listen to either of those. Um, <laughs> we're going to listen to the title track off of um, Dreamtime. The only way for us to be alone into the earth and in a stone when you want to be on your own is Dreamtime. I am there in the rock. And that brings us to the last Stranglers album with the original lineup. Mm-hmm. Their tenth album, titled Ten. I, I sense I sense there's a tone in your voice. <laughs> that, yeah. That, <laughs> 
Yeah, I, um... You kind of like this album. I kind of did. I mean, um, I'm in the middle of the road on it, really, but... Um, well, I want to hear why. A, okay, okay. So, this, again, is one of those albums that sounds pretty super uh, produced. I mean, it's it's kind of a far cry from, I think, what they were originally going for. Yeah. Um, but, I, I don't know, maybe it's... Maybe it's uh, uh, nostalgia or something, but the song 96 Tears, as soon as I heard it on here, I like gravitated towards this album, and I have been playing it over and over again. They do an amazing cover of it. Yeah. Uh, so how do you feel about the rest of the album? The rest of the album is okay. Uh-huh. It's just okay. So, um, okay. Let's. So your pick is 96 Tears. Let's uh, get that out of the way and then we can have <laughs> okay. a discussion about this album. You bet. Too many teardrops for one heart to be crying. Too many teardrops for one heart to carry on. think that the fact that you picked 96 tears as your song says something about this album that yeah, you well. you picked this the one non-original song <laughs> the one song that's not theirs yeah yeah i mean i i like this version but this 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 version isn't like a radical deconstruction of the song it's just a no. really really tight rendition of the original I, th right? I think that yeah no you're right and i think um what what happens is that this song kind of grabs me as far as them being good musicians oh yeah um, oh yeah i'm like this this is really cool now it it is different in the sense that it's an updated sounding song yeah um, yeah that's i mean true. there's of course a lot of keyboard in the original and yeah and it's got that yeah. kind of you know that sound, but yeah. it yeah, but so it's updated. it's not it's like so a radical departure as far as like you know they're doing it as a country song or they're no. deconstructing it. No, or, even or even like walk that. on by that yeah. they did as a cover was a lot different than the original. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, this one it just hit that it hit that sweet spot in me that yeah. I you know. Well, I didn't pick a song off of this album because I just. I honestly, when I said, I've all, like, I was so excited when this album came out, and mm -hmm. I think from the very first listen, I just kind of not clicked with this album at all, yeah. and I've, over the years, I've listened to it many, many times, and I was kind of hoping that revisiting for the first time in quite a few years that I'd, I'd you know, find something to like about it but honestly i'm not certain that well, i got through a single song i think you know that, i got yeah. about halfway through and went oh yeah this and then i just it, it just it sounds to me like an album from a band that is exactly what it was that was mm -hmm. 
that was splintering, that was falling apart internally, and all of their creative they they were out of gas, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's very it reminded it reminded me a lot in a lot of ways of Blondie's The Hunter. Yeah, you know oh, where wow. it's like they they run out of creative energy, so they compensate with all of this just bloated production. Um, um, apparently, Hugh Cornwell was happy. This is his last. Yeah. Let's get this right. This is his last album. Yeah. He's decided after the tour that he's leaving the band, and he was happy with how it turned out. Yeah, he's um, he is the only strangler who um, who likes this album. <laughs> yeah, the only guy that really. Yeah. Even even the later members don't like this yeah. this album. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> then Hugh Cornwell leaves the band. There are some people who like the the newer versions of the Stranglers more than the original, and I I say more power to you. You know, if you you uh, you, you should take your bliss wherever you can find it. But I I don't get it at all. Um, yeah. And so well, that's that's kind of where you and your buddy Hugh Cornwell agree. Yeah. Because he's not too fond of the later incarnations yeah. of the band. So we we are not going to play anything um, from any of the albums that the Stranglers release after right. um, Hugh Cornwell leaves the band. But we just real quickly let's let's talk about their albums. So mm-hmm. um, they get a new. Um, a couple new members. They get a new uh, vocalist named Paul. Um, and in 1992, they release Stranglers in the Night. In 1995, they release About Time. And then in 1997, they release Written in Red. And these three albums... So I, just to be clear, I own every single Stranglers album. Oh, okay. Um, and I've listened to all of them multiple times. These three albums between 1992 and 1997 are, are, ju- are absolutely my least favorite. So I will, uh-huh. I will take 10 over any of these three yeah. Every time, um, I, I feel that I feel the same way. I mean, yeah. they're basic. They're they're basic rock albums. They're you know. Yeah, and it, it, you know, it's like the uh, the and a lot of it has to do with the vocals. You know, uh-huh. I, I, right. and it's not like, oh, I'll only listen to Hugh Cornwell because I don't particularly connect with Hugh Cornwell's solo stuff. Although I do kind of like. His, his, I think it was his first, no, his second solo album, Wolf, which is like total. Have, have you heard Wolf? I have not, it, but I want to. It, it yeah. is. It, it's very obscure. It's it's really hard to find, but it's his stab at doing um, like, um, pop dance. So it like um like uh, uh, Rick Astley or um, yeah. Millie Vanilli or something. Oh boy! And it's just like, sorry, you you can't pull it off. You're you're kind. Of, he's kind of too interesting to to yeah. be able to pull that stuff off. But yeah. But in, in any case, um, I I do have a quote here about the album written in red from J.J. Burnell. So this is mm-hmm. this is how far the band drifted. So this is a direct quote. Um, I am um, reading here, so I'm not paraphrasing. 
He said, it, this album, had nothing to do with me apart for one or two songs. I've got no feelings about it as an album, as I was disconnected from it all. I had given up on the band. It wasn't a band anymore. It was just John and Paul and a guy with Pro Tools. So John <laughs> and Paul being the two guys who weren't even in the original lineup. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how far they had drifted. I mean, this this stuff sounds like the 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 vocalist sounds like he's he he wants to be in in excess. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're kind mm-hmm. of doing that like early 90s pop rock in excess thing um and it just doesn't work for me doesn't work um 1998 sees a release of uh coup de grace um and then in uh 2004 they kind of go back to their roots a little bit and release norfolk coast which i feel like is um, they're the very best of the post Hugh Cornwell albums, hmm. um, and uh, most critics and fans agree on on that front. Um, and um, the 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 single "Big Thing Coming" was the first Stranglers single in a decade to hit the top forty. So, if um, if any listeners are interested in checking out. The later, the the newer um, Stranglers albums, the this is where you should start for sure. Um, Two thousand and six sees a release of Sweet Sixteen. Of course, their sixteenth album, and then in two thousand and twelve, they um, released Giants. Mm-hmm. So that is the Stranglers. Yeah. Well. Um... Again, I want to say that my eyes have been opened, and uh, what I thought was just a, a, an album full of fillers became uh, one of my f- favorite Stranglers albums. Uh, and, uh, you know, I I have them now on my playlist. I'll be listening to at least those 10 albums uh, yeah. over and over again. Yeah. So I, uh, I I don't know. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Again, it's problematic, and uh, we should mention right that we have a a hidden track that talks about the misogyny and the sexism and all that. Um, yeah. So we're gonna as, we're gonna tackle that. I I'm not sure if we're gonna do it this episode or not. It just depends on how much time we have left. Yeah. Um, now to be clear, if if a listener out there is listening to this music and and likes what they hear but mm-hmm. but wants to avoid the the lyrically problematic stuff really all you have to do is just not listen to the first two albums because by the third <laughs> yeah. album I can't think of a I I think that you know it's just the the first two albums a lot of posturing a lot of like look how bad we yeah. are look how punk we are um let's be just as abrasive and obnoxious as we can yeah. um and i i am hard pressed to find anything that's particularly problematic um starting with black and white um of course i haven't sat down and read the lyrics to to every song but nothing jumps out at me yeah okay well, I think that's it. I think that's the Stranglers. Uh, oh, covers it. I do want to. So, um, 
in the in the description for this episode, um, I, it is mentioned that I am in the top one percent of Stranglers fans in the world. Uh-huh. And I knew that. Yeah. So so the story <laughs> behind that was not too long ago. I was I opened up Spotify and maybe I went to play a Strangler song. And um, I get a little notification from Spotify saying, you are in the top 1% of the fans of Stranglers in the world. Wow. I'm not quite (laughs) sure what that means as far as as how they determine that. Because honestly, I don't have any more Stranglers songs on my playlists than I do any other band that's in my top 10 you know all-time favorites they use highly trained psychics and empaths to decide well (laughs) so you know i don't anticipate that at any point i'm going to be notified as being in the top one percent of the talking heads fans um Mm. so i think this says less about me as uh, being a super fan of the stranglers although Mm -hmm. i love the stranglers and more about how the Stranglers are kind of slipping into obscurity, which I think yeah. is an absolute shame. It is a um, bummer. So it is a bummer. we're gonna we're gonna try and reverse that trend as much as you know one modest little podcast can. Yeah, we're gonna be listening to a lot of their stuff, so it's it's okay. <laughs> as always. If you like the little snippets that you hear and you want to hear the entire song, please do click on the link in mm-hmm. the show notes. That'll take you to the Spotify list and you can listen to the entire song, including Golden Brown uh, that we played at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you awesome. want to tell people how um, they can get a hold of yeah. us? Yeah. Um, I want to say thank you first to some of our listeners. Uh, specifically, we're getting getting emails in now. Um, we're getting contact on Instagram and uh, through email if you want to. I, I guess I should go ahead and say thank you. Thank you to Emma, by the way, who's listening to us uh, regularly. And she asks, are the raincoats going to be listed in your uh, in your list? And by the way, the raincoats are going to be covered. We're going to talk about them at some point in the future. Um, but Emma, who contacted me through, she contacted me through Instagram. So you can get a hold of us through Instagram, Deep Dives, Deep Cut, and Deep Cuts. Uh, you can get a hold of us on Facebook, Deep Dives, Deep Cuts. Or you can email us directly at deepdives.deepcuts at gmail.com. Okay, thanks, Rob. This has been um, a lot of fun. We will um, see everybody in two weeks. Yeah, thank you, Joseph. I've had a blast. And thanks, guys. We'll see you. If you see me walking down the streets And I start to cry Each time we meet 